I was thinking about suggesting Groundhog Day for next time we meet. For, for, for you know, actual Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Day. Yeah. Dude, I can't talk about that movie for an hour. Really? Yeah. I think it's a pretty <coughs> interesting movie. I can't talk an hour about that movie. All right, well, back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. Draw that board. Hey, what, what day? Is this going to actually release on Groundhog Day? This? Yeah, Maybe. this episode. Because Last Jedi, Fidget Game. Oh, okay. Basically. So we have a bumper now. <laughs> Yeah, we do. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Welcome back to the Why Do I Talk To You podcast. I'm Saul Starsheep 4. I'm Dave Gamer Dave Naple. Okay. So um, when coming up with topics uh, for what we were going to do for this particular recording session, um, came to our attention that as much as we've talked about Disney movies and, and Pixar movies and whatnot, we have actually yet to dedicate a whole episode on a Pixar movie. Yeah. So... Um, rather arbitrarily, I think, well, you know, we were kind of, <laughs> we we're we're in a bit of a, a state currently just, you know, in our, in our lives. And so, you know, Dave just wanted to, wanted to chill out for a bit, you know, talk about nice things and watch a chill out movie, you know, yeah. like, uh, similar to when we uh, watched uh, my neighbor Totoro, you Although know, we, we just, didn't necessarily know that's what we we're getting into. That true. Time. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we got out of watching Totoro just like feeling so relaxed and just chill, you know, just like yeah. we feel good, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, you know, when I, when I just want to like relax and like feel good, like I usually just put on Ratatouille, you know, I like the, 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 the easygoing vibe of that movie and whatnot. He was like, all right, we can do an episode on that. So there here we are. We are. <laughs> this episode, I guess is more centered towards me, I guess, because, um, I've stated before, I'm pretty sure that Ratatouille is my absolute favorite, uh, Pixar movie. Mm. Um, I don't know if I can say it's my like absolute favorite Disney movie, but for sure, uh, uh, Pixar movie, it is definitely a number one, like without a doubt. El numero uno. Or you have where you say that in French. It's not, it's not that. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> no. So. I don't know French. Yeah. So. Great. <laughs> um, so Ratatouille released in the year 2007. Uh, directed by Brad Bird, who uh, uh, before directing Ratatouille uh, did The Incredibles. Yeah, didn't he do The Iron Giant before that? He did. He oh, did. I don't like uh, that movie. And, and he was also. You don't like that movie? No. Really? Why not? Probably because I just have bad memories of days when I would just be at my grandparents and want to watch Cartoon Network, and they were doing another all-day Iron Giant marathon. Oh. <laughs> I swear they did it all the time, and it was it wasn't. No thanks. <laughs> Maybe we should probably watch that again then. Uh, I mean, you know, we're separate from that. Iron Giant I is guess. like, I know everybody. One of like the unsung heroes. I, every time you talk about people, like, oh, what an underrated piece of animated art. I'm just like, yeah, tries to be edgy sometimes, I guess. But we we I'd should have to see it. Again. We should give that a shot. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's interesting because you can definitely see some of like the parallels and how he likes his animated character design, like going. I, my vague recollection of the villain in that movie is 
very similar to Anton Ego. Obviously not old, but he's just very long and spindly. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and that's that's kind of tropey too. Also, yeah, like I guess animated but. villains are normally yeah, like like creepily lanky, or they're also like beefy. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, I mean that's uh, not what they did with Syndrome, but kind of more reminds me more of Frozone and uh, it's very <laughs> spindly, like the fingers. Like the fingers look like they're little sticks and they like yeah. get together. Well, stuff, the animation you know? design in Incredibles is also weird. Also, like how. How like violet is like literally pencil thin, like yeah. Well, like, it's all over the top. I mean, we can get to it in this movie, but the the chef just kind of looks like a monkey whenever he doesn't yeah. have his hat on. Yeah, he kind of moves like a monkey too. He like puts his arms out under him. He's like, who is responsible for this? And dancing around like <laughs> Diddy Kong or something like that. <laughs> get a little ahead of ourselves. Well, to your point, yeah, Brad Bird is really good at um and Pixar in general. They're good at at being like you know animating humans while still being cartoony with them uh-huh. you know um for the longest time the thing that bothered me with dreamworks um i guess specifically in shrek uh was how they really tried to make their humans look realistic and it was just sort of like just like next to shrek and you're like mm. <laughs> yeah you're just like this this isn't right like yeah. not uncanny valley just this no. isn't right yeah um, okay, so yeah, Brad Bird made his name through that way, and also through uh, the Simpsons too. Oh, uh, yeah, he's a Simpsons alum, uh, like in the uh, in like the Simpsons heyday. Okay. Um. So so yeah. Um. If you've watched a Nostalgia Critics uh, Disney Sember, when he talks about uh, some of these movies like Incredibles and Ratatouille, you you hear how excited he is uh, that Brad Bird got on to do Incredibles, and also how excited he was to, that he came back for Ratatouille. Um, and for good reason, you know, Nostalgia Critics obviously a bigger movie animation nerd buff than I am. Well, yeah. Um, you know, I didn't when when the time these movies came out, I didn't know who directors were. No, I, just, I didn't either. I just, but I still don't. So you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't like care necessarily, but it does. You know, you do see the directors like style in each of these movies, like when. Uh, you know, when you know who it is behind it, you know, like a Wes Anderson movie, like, you know, it's a Wes Anderson movie. Um, anyways, so yeah, Ratatouille. Ratatouille came out in the year 2007. Um, not, I mean, like. It didn't get a lot of hype. I guess not. It, it got about as much hype as any Disney movie, any well, Pixar movie did what, in the day. What came before it? Cars. Okay. Well, Cars isn't very popular, so and that was kind of the first Pixar movie that wasn't that popular, right? So, it, well, you got to think about what it means to be popular because Cars sold a lot of uh, merchandise and a still lot of does. Mer- well, like critically acclaimed, and it didn't feel like an event. Like I've used that term before, right? Felt like all the Pixar movies were like an event, and Cars kind of didn't feel like an event that you had to go be a part of because people were kind of like, eh, "It's all right." I mean, I guess, but at the same time, we didn't know it was going to be. Eh, it's all right, you know. Yeah, but it was following that, so you're kind of like, okay. I mean, I think this was still in Pixar's heyday, right? Yeah, I think it I is. Still call it. So in I it. don't. But when, like, just talking about. Just the people I was surrounded with in that age was like all the Pixar movies before it was like, oh, we got to go see this one. And the Ratatouille, they're like, it's kind of ironic given the theme of the movies. But like, I don't know if I want to go see a movie about a bunch of rats. Like, that just kind of weirds me out, that's, man. That's interesting. <laughs> For me, in my circles, it was just like... Yeah, another Pixar movie. We got to see it. No, yeah, for me it was very much like, oh, rats. <laughs> I pass on this one. <laughs> oh, rats. Yeah. Oh, rats. <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, uh, this movie I have seen tons of Probably times. Probably a lot. I have seen it tons of times. I was being that guy when we were just watching it a couple of minutes ago and like quoting everything. Because yeah. <laughs> I remember like every single quote from that whole movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just on the surface, I love... I love virtually everything about this movie. I love the primary color palettes. It's really like sort of sepia because there's a lot of like these nice tans everywhere, you know, in the copper cookware in the kitchens. Um, there's a lot of nice blue sort of like, yeah, like grayish blue, like, like the evening sky yeah. and a lot of like the evening lanterns, mm-hmm. even though we're apparently in modern times, but we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, I, I love that atmosphere. I, I just love it. I loved it then. It just makes me feel warm, you know? It like, is I a just, very warm. Yeah. That's it, like they set a lot of those lights in like colder, in the midst of colder colors. And so it gives you that feeling of like a, like a fire in the cold. Like when yeah. you really appreciate the warmth. It's beautiful. <laughs> I liked uh, the voice acting. Um, a bunch of people I don't know. <laughs> well, that's okay. Um, I mean, because. Never mind. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, all. Please tell me. You don't no, know don't. anybody, Dave. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's pretty true. Uh, the music, super, super awesome, especially the song written for it, Le Feston, mm-hmm. uh, written by uh, composed written by Michael Giacchino. Of Muppet Monsters fame. <laughs> Great. Great. Now we have to, you know what? I'm not ashamed. Yuck it up. Yuck it I up. Will. I love that song. Yeah. Now we do have to release them in order. We finally did it. Yeah. We finally made the reference. No, not we. That was all you, buddy boy. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> I'll be here all night. This was also your rule, too. Yeah, it was. <sighs> That's right. Can I move on? Yeah. Is that okay? Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> He's such a jerk. <laughs> oh, man. So let's go through the movie. Uh, let's 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 start from the tap, okay? Okay. Um, so previews for this movie, much like in Pixar fashion, uh, the previews involved scenes that do not show themselves I'm in the movie. kind of sad they stopped doing that. Me too. I wonder if they're doing it again for The Incredibles. I wonder if that scene with, like, the baby frying off his hair is actually going to be in the movie. I really hope not. Oh, yeah. I hope it's not in the movie. So maybe they're going back to that. Anyway. Yeah. So they were doing that here. I remember like promos used to have to put the the pronunciation of rat tattoo e oh, yeah, uh, in, in the funny. in the titles cuz yeah cuz at first I mean I didn't know what it was so I was like ratuli rat the sequel to so um so yeah I don't remember exactly like the month in which it came out but I do remember then it came out around the time that I started dating my soon-to-be wife again. Again. Uh, if we're, if we're going to stick with After linking the these two time. episodes together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is part two. Next episode, we're going to do it on the, the second time they broke up and got back together. Hey, the movie was watching. Then, there wasn't a second and then, time. And then the time they got engaged, we'll do the movie then. We'll just go through the full timeline. It'll be great. <laughs> there actually was a... Oh, <laughs> Okay, never mind, never mind. <laughs> So anyways, uh, the movie came out around that time. It was like one of our first dates together. And then it came out on iTunes a couple of months later. And I just kept watching it over and over and over again. Um, uh, oh, wait, we're supposed to start talking about the movie now. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you finished. You better finish that thought. Okay. Well, I mean, there's no other thoughts. I, I just remember that, uh, you know, I, I, I bought it when I was my first year in college when I was dorming. Mm. And it was like... 
one of the like many sources of comfort that I had like that year and that whole semester was just watching that over and over and over again. And like, you know, luckily I'd always turn it on. My roommate wasn't there. Um, or like, I'd like be doing homework to it, you know, with my headphones on or whatever. Like I just couldn't, I was just so obsessed with the movie still am, although I don't watch it nearly as often as I used to, but like anytime I watch it now, I have, it's like, it's a treat, you know? Yeah. So the movie. <laughs> All right, we'll finally start. So the main the main character, his name is not Ratatouille. No, it's not. That's kind of a surprise. <laughs> uh, his name is Remy, voiced by Patton Oswalt. He's a comedian. And um, uh, it one thing that I, I'm not always a fan of in movies, and I will say this, that this movie commits, is like when it starts out like a first-person narrative, mm, okay. and then it just like sort of stops. <laughs> And either they just like forget about it or they pick it up again in the middle of the movie. You know or what I mean? Or the end or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So so this movie starts with that. It's like it's, you know, Remy sort of like literally it does a freeze frame and it's like, you might be wondering how I ended up in this situation. Well, Can't a long laugh, time ago. Oh. Yeah. Sitcom <laughs> laughs, yeah. So Remy's a rat uh, living with a colony uh, that's infested this old woman's house. Um, but Remy also has like a crazy sense of smell. Um, and he uses that to like learn about human food. And like uh, the old woman also likes to watch like a cooking channel that has this uh, famous chef named August Gusteau in it. Gusteau. Uh, Gusteau is um, fat. His, he has a. F- <laughs> Gosh, he has a a philosophy um, that like anyone can cook. Like that's his whole thing is like accessibility for anybody to be able to cook. Um, And so that's where like Remy starts to get like his inspiration and just sort of like, yeah, maybe I can try. Um, But then eventually they're caught um, or rather he is caught by the old woman uh, because he's spending too much time inside the human the human kitchen uh, to the point where the woman is like trying to get him and his brother. You know, with a shotgun. With a, you know, like you do. As you do. Um, ends up shooting up the entire ceiling off. Yeah. Literally her entire ceiling off to uncover the whole colony, which is like billions and billions of billions and billions <laughs> of rats. <laughs> Investing so, this one woman's home. <laughs> so they that's a pretty good impression. Thank you. So they they all they all skedaddle. Meanwhile, she's like literally employing every method. Like she gets her World War One gas mask on <laughs> with the freaking <laughs> gas pures she's gonna fill her house with, I guess. It's like that freaking story that just came out recently. I don't think Saul Saul saw this. I think it was in South Carolina or something. Oh, of course. Where someone like grabs some like freaking the torch they had around the house or something instead of spraying it at the spider and cause like $12,000 worth of damage. That sounds like somebody trying to make a meme, right? I, it, maybe they just had $12,000 lying around. They're like, no, <laughs> this will be like 15. It's worth it. It's worth it. I didn't actually read the story. I just saw the headline. I didn't, I didn't take the clickbait. Well, it, it probably wasn't worth your time. Anyways. Probably not. Headline gave you all you needed. Yeah, it really did. So anyway, the, so the colony's running away, um, and Remy gets separated from them because he goes back to get Gusto's cookbook. Mm-hmm. Um, foolishly, he gets separated from the rest of the colony, um, and they and he gets washed down a storm drain. Um, he then is visited by a hallucination of Gusto, who just tells him to explore along, and uh, through that, he eventually actually finds that he got washed down into downtown Paris in front of Gusto's restaurant. Wow. What are, the, what are the odds? How convenient. Uh, I totally meant to lead you here, yeah. he still says. <laughs> um, 
So then uh, he's able to watch the kitchen. And he's completely enthralled by, you know, the energy and the food and everything. Meanwhile, um, a lowly, awkward boy named Linguini, Alfredo Linguini. What a terrible name. Yeah, I thought it was a bad joke then, too. I'll be honest. <laughs> Although he kind of moves like a pasta noodle. <laughs> like a wet pasta noodle. He does. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly can you be like a dance teacher, please? And just be like, oh, you move like I, a dry pasta I noodle. To, I need to do like a wet pasta noodle. Oh. Um, Gosh. So, um, so he's able to get a, a job as like a garbage boy in Gusto's kitchen, who's now being led by his former sous chef, Skinner. Um, and... Um, uh, because he has uh, his this mom letter. used to be a uh, an old flame of Gusto's, <laughs> and apparently they were all friends with her or something. Or so. something, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, she's boy. dead. <laughs> so Linguini gets a job because he's apparently a deadbeat. <laughs> yeah, which you can believe. He's just mopping the floors, and then he knocks over this big stock pot of yeah, soup of soup, and like. Tries to repair it by just sort of like throwing in like everything but the kitchen sink like, inside uh, of water, it. Water, green onions, uh, whatever Some this powdery is. Powdery stuff. Some pow- it might yeah. be Ajax. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so then uh, Remy's freaking out because he's watching the whole thing. And then he uh, actually accidentally falls through like the window that he was observing them through and is like running through the kitchen, yada, yada, until he happens to run by the soup and like he smells it and he's all like, oh gosh. I got to do something. And so he eventually is just like, he eventually just creates an entirely new soup out of like what it is that he made. And of course he's caught. So by Linguini, um, by Linguini. (laughs) He's caught. um, But it turns out that the soup is served anyways. And it turned out to be really, really good. So everybody of course thinks that Linguini made it. um, And like another chef sort of stands up for him because uh, he's, following Gusto's principle of like anyone can cook. And so even Yes, it's the female chef specifically. Yes, her name it's is important. Colette. Colette yeah. Tattoo. Um, I didn't know her last name. Oh yeah, I know everyone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so Do you know all the other chefs' names? Uh not their last names. <laughs> oh, okay. But yes. <laughs> Great. I want you to identify each one of them by name at least once in this episode. I'll do my best. Okay. Um oh wait a minute though. I'm having issue with Oh, no, I got it. All right, gotcha. so never mind. So anyway, um, all right, so they all think that it's Linguini, and so they decide to give him a shot, even though uh, Chef Skinner is, like, really, like, sort of unwilling to do so. Doesn't buy it. No. And so, um, but Remy is is spotted again, and uh, he is told, uh, uh, Linguini is told to Linguini get rid of him. Linguini catches him, yeah. yeah. He's told to get rid of him, but in the end, you kind of, uh, he finds out that Remy can understand humans and, and understand English, too. And he and saw so, him make the soup, so he realizes he's in hot water, and he can't make the soup, that he's not a chef, and he's like, can you make the soup? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Most Maybe. Yeah. So basically, Remy agrees, because uh, he wants to be in a kitchen. Uh, they find out that uh, Remy can control his actions by pulling on his hair and hiding inside his chef's hat. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's sure. cu- it's cute. You yeah, know? that's clever. Um, so yeah, everything's okay. He has to personally work with Colette under uh, Chef Skinner's rules. Um, and Colette, Colette stood up for him. Yeah, Skinner's like, "Well, you teach him how to cook," and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> um, and so Colette eventually warms up to him, although it, it, for you know, some reason, for some reason, although in the beginning she is about ready to stab him in the face. <laughs> um, so so he learns the way of the kitchen and whatnot. Then uh, some uh, uh, some needy patrons go into the restaurant, and ask for something new off menu. Um, so Skinner decides to use this as a trap for, for Linguini and gives him a purposely really, really awful recipe, <laughs> an old recipe from Gusto. Yeah. Um, this is after a scene where like part of the teaching Colette was telling him like, Gusto says you got to experiment and he's like, oh, okay. So do new things. He's like, no, never do new things. You follow his, he does <laughs> new things. You follow the recipe. So it's like, okay, we follow the recipe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're doing that. Uh, even Colette's all like, uh, I don't even know this one, but eh, it's Gusto. So let's do it. Um, but Remy is making it and he just can't stand it. So he has to like create like a new sauce to go over it mm-hmm. instead of the anchovy licorice sauce. Cuttlefish, something like that. It's it's everything. Yeah. It's a sweet it's a sweetbread dish. Um so anyways, Remy like does it even though Colette is protesting the whole time and is even angry at Linguini. However, of course, the sauce and the whole dish as a whole is a complete success. Uh, at this point now, um, <laughs> a lot of, so oh. <sighs> they kind of just set up this sort of conflict where Linguini's fallen for Colette and like wants to do what she says, but Remy's just a better chef than her. So he just kind of wants to make stuff that's good. And so Linguini's kind of caught between wanting to make out with this hot French lady <laughs> and wanting to keep his job because let's be real, this rat is his meal ticket. <laughs> But not only that, because after or in the midst of the sequence, then um, he's giving Remy a break outside and he gives him a little cheese plate or whatever. Um, And then he runs into his brother like when they were like since they were separated from the beginning of the movie. And the brother takes him back to the colony where his dad is, who's like the leader of the colony. Um, Remy is telling him that like, yeah, I, I have this human now. We're cool. And. You know, I have a job and I have this place downtown. So, uh, yeah, I'll be over to visit. But, like, you know, the dad's not cool. No, because the dad's all like, we're rats. Like, you're talking like humans. Like, rats always stay together. They set up this sort of conflict between him and his dad earlier in the movie. Yeah. But anyway. Um, his dad even shows him like an exterminator's place, like because he's like, This is what people do to rats in this area. With all these dead rats in the window, that can't be sanitary. Yeah, right. Just like. You can't just leave those hanging there. What is this, a butcher shop? <laughs> Gross. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, um, oh, what happens after this? Then he gives his little speech. Oh, yeah. It's like, um, change happens when we want it to, or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> How did you know? Change happens when something. Or other. Something, something. Gotta go. Gotta go. <laughs> I got work in the morning. <laughs> um, okay, then another plot point happens where um, a critic, a really harsh critic. Wait, int- we missed the plot point. Did we? When's the part where he realizes that Linguini is Gusto's son? That's actually after this. Is it actually it after is. this? Yeah. Holy cow. Okay. So. 
<laughs> there's a lot of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, there is. So there's a plot point of a of a really harsh food critic introduced very early in the movie. His name is Anton Ego, also known as the Grim Eater, who is just like <laughs> really snobby. And um, the one time he went to eat at Gusto's restaurant when Gusto was alive, he gave him a really scathing review um, to the point where they had to lose one of their five stars. And apparently it stressed out Gusto so much that he died and they lost <laughs> even another star. So Oops. they went from a five-star restaurant to a three-star restaurant. No wonder his office is shaped like a coffin. He literally kills people <laughs> with his reviews. <laughs> um, so he's finding that Gusto's is getting popular again because of Linguini. So he's popular. voiced by the wonderful Peter O'Toole. <laughs> What a voice. What a voice. What a voice. Indeed. Um, now this is when we discover um, through through Chef Skinner's lawyer and through a DNA test. So <laughs> side note, this movie is very much like rooted in like the 1950s or like like the like 60s or whatever. Piece. Yeah. Like, you know, there's like those old projection TVs and, oh, um, yeah. you know, cars are looking like really old and whatnot. All the, all the cookware in the kitchen is all rustic and copper. Excuse me. And, um, you know, it's all really old, except for a couple of things that, like, seem to make this, like, make you think that it's supposed to be timeless. Uh, One of them being that they can do DNA testing. Like, I don't think that was around in the 50s or the 60s. I don't feel like it would be, you know, just available to some lawyer to be like, let me just take his in to the local DNA tester. (laughs) You know? DNA RS. feel like yeah at best i mean i feel like dna testing has actually been around for longer than we gave her credit for but i feel like you would have to like go to the courts you know it'd, <laughs> yeah. it'd be a pretty wouldn't be just the simple thing like let me get a couple hair follicles and you know go to dna or whatever <laughs> take this down to maurice on the tv or whatever and figure <laughs> out who the father is you know it's nice nice Thanks. Nice one. I made a reference. Watched Maurice. <laughs> you are not the father. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh gosh. Oops. Sorry. Uh. <laughs> sorry, y'all had to hear that. All right, moving on. Um, so uh, basically, through that, they discover that that Linguini is indeed Gusto's son, um, and that would make him the rightful heir because uh, the like the the. The like the the period of him to be able to claim that is like still in effect. Yeah, it's like ending at the end of the month, and Skitter's freaking out because if it's, if a live heir doesn't show up by the end of the month, then it's all his, and he's built Gusto into like a frozen food empire, like Chef Boyardee or what have you. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny at that part. They yeah, make reference to that at um, one point, but they do, yeah. Um, so basically, uh, Remy goes in because uh, now his family is sort of bothered him to like give them food like give them actual good food because he wanted to teach his brother about what good food actually is and but now his brother sort of like you know let squealed the, yeah he let the ah, cat out of the bag get it? And squealed they don't he's a rat they don't squeal he's a rat so they don't squ- they squ- squealed. so oh i get it <laughs> you just not whatever I'm not laughing at your joke. I'm laughing. Good Continue. You. you always laugh at the both of us for your stupid oh, jokes. Well, thank you. So Remy uh, has to go inside the office uh, in order to open the walk-in. Because they locked it for some reason. Yeah. I why. You know, case. I think there's another subplot where Skinner is like has seen Remy around and is really suspicious of what he's doing with Linguini. 
Maybe that's supposed to be implied why they locked the room. I don't know. I don't know. Uh. But anyways, Remy has to infiltrate the office, and during that, he come comes across the papers uh, of um, Linguini's uh, initial letter that says that Linguini is Augusto's son. Not Linguini. It's the Old Flames letter. That's what I said. Well, Lingu- Linguini's mom. Oh, Linguini. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he makes the connection, um, but then Skinner happens to walk right in. But then Remy takes all the all the paper, the necessary papers, and and runs away with it, uh, chasing in shoes. Good old Brad Bird. Um, it's fun. And good then uh, and then Skinner's fired um, because the- Remy gets away. Um, apparently, he, by the time Skinner manages to get back, then somehow Remy got the paperwork to them, and they I don't know talk to a lawyer or something. <laughs> they're in charge now. So they they uh, they tear down the frozen food fortune and Remy is like or Linguini is like super famous now. Uh, he get, he can afford a really nice apartment still overlooking the Eiffel Tower, um, and uh, and uh, he's doing a he's doing a big like press junket. Um, and uh, at this point, also Remy is getting tired of not getting any credit. Yeah. Um, but um, it's also like, come on, dude! Like, what do you? <laughs> you're a rat. You're a rat. <laughs> Um, that's what this movie's about, right? Rats <laughs> movie are still is your rat. They're still <laughs> second rate people. <laughs> so during the press junket, Ego comes up unannounced um and uh basically challenges him. He says that he's gonna come for dinner that weekend. Like the um, next day or something. the next day or whatever. Um and so but uh after this, uh Remy is still really sore at Linguini. Um and Linguini even like straight up just like you know needs to separate from him for a little bit. So in his anger, um, he calls his whole uh, Remy calls his whole family uh, to the kitchen like after hours and just like invades the walk-in. But uh, during this, Linguini knew that he was gonna like still be there, so he came and like apologized to him and like laid it all on the line. But he discovers the whole family, and then that's He's it. not super happy about Mm-mm-mm. it. <laughs> yeah, and there'd been kind of tension building up between. Between Linguini and Remy already due to the whole romance thing mm-hmm. between him and Colette. And they like kiss at one point when he's about to tell her about Remy. And Remy's like, nope, you're just going <laughs> to kiss her instead. And instead of getting pepper sprayed, which is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> she's just like, eh, it's France, whatever. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Pepe Le Pew kissed me not too long ago. <laughs> yeah, well. whatever. It's a normal day. Seems very offensive, Dave. What? <laughs> I don't know. Stereotypes. Sorry to all our French listeners. <laughs> oh, man. So, anyways. Um, <laughs> our uh, old-timey 1950s French <laughs> listeners. If you're listening in the past. You know, in case. Yeah. Just anyway. So, um, Remy then um, Remy then is accidentally captured by one of Skinner's rat traps. Because uh, Skinner definitely now knows that who it is. Yeah. And so he tells him that he's going to make him his frozen foods for him and yada yada. So he's trapped. But his family is able to to rescue him uh, out of the trap. And so he runs straight back for the restaurant because the dinner service is beginning where Ego is already there. Um, and in the kitchen, Linguini is freaking out because they're asking him about like how he made the soup, how he made everything else like that. And he's just sort of like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, I, why are you asking me? And they're like, cause you made it. And it's like, well, no, you do it. And like, I can't do it. You made it. Just tell us how. And then, duh. <laughs> so, um, uh, Remy finally comes back. 
Um, and like everybody's about to kill him because he's a rat. But then Linguini stands up for him in front of everybody um, and like reveals the whole truth to everybody at that moment, which causes everybody to like lose entire faith in their life. <laughs> yeah, apparently they're just like, well, my life is meaningless. <laughs> I'm just going to quit my job and go home. <laughs> so that's what they do. Every single one of them leaves. And so Linguini basically gives up. But um, Remy's dad was around and saw that Linguini actually stood up for a small little rat. So he calls the entire colony to come and like make the food. Like he he washes them <laughs> in like a in like a dishwasher, like those industrial industrial dishwashers. And then they are making the whole entire meal. Yeah. Um but not it's kind of a neat scene. But not before a health inspector comes. <laughs> it's just oh completely God, yeah. randomly. Well, Skinner was, had he, called him yeah. earlier in the movie, and he was like, I will look you in in three months, and maybe I walk in if someone cancels, whatever. And turns out this is when he shows up, because of course he does. On, like, during the busy hour during a dinner service. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, you know, this is the best time for a surprise <laughs> inspection. Until, he, you know, the rats swarm him, and he's like, not like this. <laughs> <laughs> and they tie him up and throw him in the... What is it? The, the walk in. Yeah, the walk in. Yeah. So, um, so Colette is driving away again, just like disillusioned with life. Um, and she's at a she's at an intersection, and she sees Gusto's "Anyone Can Cook" book inside of a inside of a bookstore, and then she sort of realizes, like, because oh. through the whole movie, she's sort of been like constantly sticking up for Gusto's ideals mm-hmm. for some reason, and it's fine, whatever. And so, and so when she, she sees that, she's yeah. like, oh. So she comes back, she sees all these rats cooking. Um, and meanwhile, Linguini is uh, is now the waiter on roller skates, like a drive-in, and just and taking orders and, and everything else like that. Um, so Remy decides that he wants to cook ratatouille uh, for him. First, uh, for, for Ego. Because Ego, Ego <laughs> it's a really funny scene with the maitre d', actually. Yeah, where he's just trolling the maitre d'. So the maitre d' is like, um, I just... I want to get your food, but <laughs> I, you're not ordering a food. You're just saying. I want some perspective. No uh, wine with the perspective. I, I mean, I can get you some wine. You, it seems like you pre-gamed quite a bit. If you're All asking right, for then uh, you, I'll give the perspective. <laughs> oh, okay, sir. So okay, okay. What? What wine? Give me the food. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we should we should go on Broadway. No, <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. Okay, so um, Remy uh, wants to cook ratatouille, but it does it in a different way, and uh, and I'll explain about that later too. But it's a peasant dish. <laughs> so for the filthy peasants. <laughs> so so they make the filthy peasant dish. <laughs> For ego, and um, but as soon as he takes a bite of it, he's immediately transported back to when he was a kid, and his mom used to make actual ratatouille for him, and so um, because of that, it's like the best food he's had in like years, apparently, mm-hmm. apparently since that one dish when he was a kid and he broke his bike. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. So then, because um, he was a filthy peasant. So he's so happy that he wants to compliment the chef personally, but um, they're like. Uh, um, <laughs> you're gonna have you to, have to wait. wait, and he's a little annoyed now, so he's just like, "All right, fine, I'll wait." He drinks a couple bottles of wine, literally. <laughs> um, and so they they come clean. They they say that like, yeah, it's uh, it's this guy, it's this rat, and he's just sort of like, 
no, it's not. And then, the, and so they go so far as to recreate the entire dish for him in front. And of this them. is when the like the monologue of Remy over everything sort of comes back mm-hmm. as the narrator. But um, and then uh, afterwards, like you know, ego just kind of goes silent. He's just sort of like really <laughs> pensive the whole time through, and then just thanks them and then walks away. Uh, the article comes out later of him, you know, sort of uh, accepting a lot of like fallacies about critics and their criticism, as well as uh, some of the things that'll prevent the new um, and uh, why the new should still be like appreciated and like why why it can be scary to appreciate the new and whatnot. Just a lot of a lot of good stuff in that in that mm-hmm. whole speech. Um, to that end, though, he's like, you know, I just literally had l- the newest experience of my whole life, and it was also the best food I've ever had, and yada, yada. So everything should be okay, but the health inspector, <laughs> obviously they couldn't let that one go, and so yeah. the restaurant gets completely shut down. Oops. <laughs> so so instead, though, and so Ego lost, loses his credibility as a reviewer as well. It seems kind of weird to me. Yeah, just but sort of like it's not it's like, your oh, fault. There's mice in there. Yeah, it? it's like you did. If it tastes good, then like that's all you knew. You didn't know there was rats there. <laughs> but unless they somehow insinuated that he was saying that the rat cooked it through his review, but that's kind of stretching it. I, yeah. Whatever. He loses credibility because <laughs> he, whatever. <laughs> so instead, he uh, he helps uh, Linguini and Remy open up a restaurant called La Ratatouille and Colette. And Colette, that's what it was. Yes. So <laughs> they on, make so they actually open up a re- a new restaurant where like the signature dish is the ratatouille, um, and Ego's all smiley now and he's all happy. He's actually wearing a French beret now. He's like a frequent customer, <laughs> although I'm sure he gets his food for free because he owns a place. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then that's it. Movie over. Uh, yep. Remy Remy's now a chef. Oh, and his all his family lives in the attic, which I'm sure isn't a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, that's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <sighs> so yeah, that's Ratatouille. Now, um, like I said, this is my this is my favorite Pixar movie. Um, this movie stood with me for a while too because I um one of my probably my 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 biggest hobby in this world, and I do mean hobby, you know, like I don't think I could ever make a career out of this or anything, is food, is cooking. Like I I love Love cooking. You know, I'm talking so about that much. time Gordon Ramsay liked your tweet, or not a tweet. I mean, sure, fine. <laughs> so I make it a tradition every year during Christmas uh, to make beef Wellington. That's like my Christmas roast. Uh, I make it the same way that that Gordon Ramsay does because he's one of my idols. I love him, and um, and I've made it for several several years now to the point where I've I've got it down pretty pretty down pat. Um, so I did it again this year, like you do, and um, I'm posting it on social media, like you do. And, um, and Bethany, my wife just like goes like, you know, you should like tag Gordon Ramsay in this. And I'm like, "Ah, I mean, everybody tags him and like everything like now, like ain't no way he's going to see mine. I don't want to bother him. Yeah. Right. And so she's like, oh, but I mean, you know, it can't hurt. Just do it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. And so I did. And then I wake up in the morning to see that he actually liked my post. No. And the creepy thing about Instagram is that you can see like what other things that people have liked in that like time frame. (laughs) And he didn't like any other food posts. (laughs) Not even any Beef Wellington posts, just mine. Whoa. And then I made a fanboy post screenshotting 
his like on my profile. <laughs> um, and I, I tagged him in that as well. Did you? Oh and he God. liked that one as well. Oh, well, you didn't even tell me that part. No, you didn't see that? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I fanboyed all over him. But you know what? I'm sure he like giggled because of that too. Um, and then people were like. Having a nice dinner with his family. It's like, oh, look at this fellow. I can't do a good Gordon Ramsay. Clearly not. No. You sorry. can do a, a strangely good Jamaican accent. Thanks. And you can go on forever with it too, but yeah. nothing else really. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. Somebody told me I should make another fanboy post, fanboying over my fanboy post. No. And I was like, no. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't. I don't have a lot of dignity, but I do have some. Yeah. So anyways, anyway. I really, really love cooking. And so, but I didn't really get into cooking as much, or rather I wasn't really into it as much when this movie came out. Um, so as I learned more and more about, you know, things about this movie and then other things about, you know, the, the, high, the highfalutin culinary world, like this movie just like got even better for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things that I read up. I mean, I've never worked in a restaurant. Hopefully I never will because I hear it's just the worst. <laughs> um, but like, you know, you hear all, I hear all the time from like professional chefs and they're all like saying like, yeah, this movie like really got it close. They're like, we all have rats inside of our head. They're just controlling our hair. And Wow. Yeah. <laughs> impressive but really there's like there's a scene like the first scene we get to see gusto's kitchen where all it is we're just sort of like looking at everybody and like they're all doing their thing communicating with each other like people say like that's how it is that's how it is inside of a kitchen it's loud it's full of energy you know they're all working really hard colette is like teaching linguini like later on in the movie about like many of like the staple like tenants about about working in a kitchen and And how to hold your where to hold your hands and like Mm -hmm. i don't know those things like that yeah, and they all say that like they're like, yep, that's what that's what it is. <laughs> and the you know Pixar is one of those studios that definitely <laughs> likes to go, like they they like to go the distance in order to get their accuracy. Yeah, like you know, poor them, they had to go all the way to Scotland <laughs> to get their inspiration for Brave. Right? Oh man, it's a tough life. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I know they talk to a lot of like professional psych people before Inside Out too, just for. Like oh really? Example. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're in like the special thanks in the credits or something. Oh, okay. Mm. Um in this case they they got to work with uh, Thomas Keller. Uh he's one of the one of the top chefs in the world, really. Um he has a restaurant in um in Yachtville, which is sort of like in the Napa Valley area called the French Laundry. Um it's like it's a it's a it's a highly lauded restaurant. Like mm. I would love love to eat there someday, but I think reservations are like six months in advance or something like that like that's how Great. that's how crowded they are um anyways he was like the food consultant for the film he's the one that also designed the ratatouille dish um that ego eventually ends up eating as well um mm, mm. it's actually called uh confit bialdi which is sort of like it's a play on this other like turkish dish that's like all vegetarian and whatnot but thomas keller like changed it up just just a little bit uh changed up some of the ingredients so that he can call it his own but it, it's still called confit bld um so that's 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 what the the official dish is but it's still made like with with the ingredients you would see in ratatouille um and uh, the the chefs, or I'm sorry, the 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 Pixar people got to like spend a lot of time in the French Laundry kitchen, like just watching the chefs work and like asking questions and everything like that. So they wanted it to be like as true as possible to the actual kitchen and the cooking experience and whatnot. And I think they did an extremely good job of that. Like all like the food 
for the most part, looks really good on there. You know, <laughs> this is 2007. And I say for the most part because there's still some things when I'm watching the movie, I'm just sort of like, what is that? Like what? Well, like sometimes Remy is like throwing in like these like white glob- oh, globules uh, of something. I mean, it's a vegetable or something. <laughs> like it, how do you distinguish a, like a garlic from potatoes from, I don't know, chives? I mean, not chives, those aren't white, but you know what I mean? Like Yeah, to, to a certain extent. Onions, like chopped onions, like I don't know. Um, there's like a, there's a, a brief shot of like this like cylinder of like, Orange, which I think is supposed to be a filet mignon, but it doesn't look that way. I don't even remember what you're talking about. Uh, it's in one. Of, it's in when they're like watching the kitchen, and then like the earliest part of the movie. Okay, sure. Because yeah, I've like I've paused it before and just sort of like, <laughs> what is is that like a jello? So basically, it's you're very nitpicky if you're talking. About this. Well, I'm nitpicky because I've seen this movie way too much. Oh, yeah. Like, if you just watch it, like, for the second time, or, like, me, I've probably watched it, like, around four-ish times. Uh Like, I've never seen that, so, I don't know. There's there's way too much I know about this movie because I've seen it way too much also. Well, Um, we all have those movies. (laughs) What I like about this movie so much is... um, You know, I mean, there. I didn't realize until I watched Nostalgia Critics uh, video, but... There is a lot in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot that happens. There's a lot that happens. I noticed it. That was one of the things that I didn't super like. It gets a little hectic. Like, there's a lot that happens all of a sudden. Yeah. It kind of all comes out of nowhere, too, because it it feels really nicely paced at the beginning. Like, the beginning, like, oh, he gets separated from his family. Okay, whatever. And then it's, like, all the kitchen stuff and sort of how he becomes a chef through Linguini is, like, okay, this is all paced pretty nicely. This is all cool. And then even the part where he's learning under Colette is, like, okay, like, this is still paced a little nicely. Like, I can see what they're building up here, and it's not super new or that interesting, but uh, whatever. And then it's, like, oh, Oh, he owns a restaurant. Oh, the rats are here and they want a bunch of food. And oh, now we're having fun. Oh, that's a lot of stuff that's going on right now. Yeah, I can see that too. But for me, I guess it didn't bother me because like it was all related. You know, it was all it was it wasn't like it wasn't like uh, Colette had like a sub story or anything. Right. Yeah, I guess. Or it wasn't I'm like not it. like complaining about it too much. It's still a really yeah. fun movie, but it gets a little bloated there. And some of the some of the conflicts are a little bit sitcom misunderstanding y, you know, or like, I'm mad, so I'm gonna do this thing. And those never really I don't know. Well like what? Like the whole like, oh, I gotta choose between my girl and like my friend or whatever. Oh, or yeah. like mm-hmm. oh, like family and choosing family over this, or I'm mad at you now, so I'm gonna do this thing that's really stupid. And it's like, dude, this is really stupid. Like, just don't do this. Wait, so, what's what's the stupid thing? Where he's like, You know what, guys? I want the whole colony here oh, to come yeah. eat all the food. And he's yeah. like, Okay, this is just this is just a bad decision. Like yeah. things like that where you're just kinda like, All right, this is a little the, the, that's just kind of me. Like I'm nitpicking a little bit, but those those type things don't get to me. Like they always just make me feel a little uncomfortable. Those type of like interpersonal conflicts, just I, I don't enjoy them as conflicts. I guess in a movie well, or really any media. I think so. because a lot of times in like in movies and TV shows, it could really be solved pretty easily. Yeah. You know. Yeah. A lot of times, it's always just like. Hey, no, I I didn't say that. Oh, okay. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. Um I said before, I really, really liked the I really, really liked the music. Yeah. This is Michael Giacchino's second work with, with Pixar and Disney. Because it was four up, right? 
Yes, it was. Yeah, okay. um, and this was after Incredibles. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Sir Randall Newman did Cars. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> and, um, and that was um, just kind of forgettable. It was fine. So as the, far as the music. So the main song of this of this movie is is called Le Feston, which I think means the party or something. I don't know. I think. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Dave, you're French, aren't you? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Omelette du fromage. <laughs> And so it almost um, makes an omelette du fromage in this movie. I think there is fromage in there. You think so? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, uh, yeah. So that song is sung by a by a French singer named Camille, but uh, uh, Michael Giacchino wrote it, and it pops up everywhere in the in the in the movie. And it's like there there is almost not another like song quite as like chill as that song. You know, like yeah. I feel like that song is like. You know, if I was like super angry at something, and then somebody just sort of like held me down and like played like, that song, yeah, and like when like put headphones on my on my face and like played heck? that song, I'd have to be like, it's a little weird. Okay, I feel like you're speaking from experience somehow in this. Uh, I might be okay. Great. <laughs> so, um, uh, and the score obviously is also really great. Um, Playing. That song is woven in through a lot of the score. It is. And there's a couple other like score songs that are woven in there as well that is just good good Michael Giacchino stuff. Good yep. stuff. It's not the, the the score never gets as like bombastic as Incredibles does, and it doesn't have to. No, yeah, it's not supposed to. Yeah, it's just it's really like Parisian, you know, or at least like what Americans <laughs> perceive to be Parisian, you know. Yeah, you know, like corn dogs. It's accordions, French baguette. Yep. A lot of baguettes in this movie, just to remind you you're in France. There actually are. Let's be real here, right? <laughs> There's like a scene where Remy actually like gives like the guns to like a guy walking by. He's just sort of like, hey, yeah. <laughs> hey, and the yeah. guy is just sort of like, the crap did I just <laughs> and he crashes. And all his baguettes. He had like a grocery bag just full of baguettes. What Come on, man. <laughs> Nothing to go with the baguettes. You just need some baguettes. Just baguettes. I mean, that's what a good Frenchman does, yeah. right? Yeah. They just have baguettes. A lot of also like cheese and wine. Cheese, wine, and baguettes. The three main food groups of French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a plenty in this movie as yeah. well. Uh, that's okay. It made me feel French. Or at least <laughs> that I was like watching I wonder French. Wonder how things. the French people respond to this movie. Because I know like Coco got a really good response from like the Hispanic community. Oh well, well I don't think French people like I don't know that if this is me. offensive. Maybe the French people were just sort of like Oh yeah. This is not wrong. Whilst they sip on their wine in the movie theater. <laughs> and meanwhile they just have this big bag of baguettes. Oh man. I don't feel good. <laughs> uh, I mean they made a joke about Americans and corn dogs and I was just like, oh eh, well yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a scene where, where yeah, so Skinner is meeting with, like, his, like, publicity guy for, like, the, the frozen foods. Yeah. Um, and Skinner, like, pitches to him a new idea called Gusto's Corn Puppies. They're like corn dogs, but smaller, bite-sized. And the guy's like, what are corn dogs? He's like, cheap sausages dipped in batter and deep fried. You know, American. like, <laughs> <laughs> I do like corn dogs. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know. I could go for a corn dog we, right now. <laughs> we deep fried cheap weenies. 
Yeah, it tastes pretty good. I, mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn one down right now if you offered it. Dude, anybody else got corn puppies? Nobody got any corn puppies. Aren't those, aren't those called pigs in a blanket, or is that different? That's different. Okay. Because pigs in a blanket is like beautiful. Because you're the guy that I pigs in a blanket are a beautiful, are beautiful thing. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> is it? You just don't deep fry them, right? You kind of like bake them. Well, like if you're making croissant? them, if you were to make them fresh, then you would be deep frying them. Uh, okay. But if you were just like going to like the local Stater Brothers and would just sort of like, oh, here's here's the small pack of corn puppies, a hundred count, and then you just like throw them in the oven, then like yeah. No, not corn. I'm trying to differentiate between corn dogs and what are they called? They're not pigs called in a blanket. Pigs in a blanket. Yeah. Well, okay. So corn puppies. Are like because it's the batter, you know, because it's like the cornmeal oh, okay. batter. It's a little sweet. Sure, uh, pigs in a blanket are made with either like with like puffier pastry, like puff pastry, or like um, like you know those croissant rolls from Do you uh, still from Pillsbury. Fry them? No, you bake those. Okay, that's yeah. what I was trying to clarify. I I prefer pigs in a blanket. Plus, it sounds way more American. <laughs> kind of does, actually. <laughs> anyway. Oh, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, there is another joke in there where, like, um, that's when Ego comes and, and crashes the press junket. Um, and then he leaves, and they're all just sort of, like, in disbelief. Then Colette just goes, listen, we hate to be rude, but we're French. <laughs> and then they just run off and just leave the press junket. Yeah. I remember Bethany really liked that line, actually. <laughs> well, I'm sure as an American, she would. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, there's not much else I would like. I mean, you know, because I I can gush over this movie a lot, and I'm really just, but I would just sort of end up repeating myself a lot. Um, I think this movie has a good balance of tension scenes, and not to say that the tension scenes are like the best in the world, but there's like you know there's some of those. Yeah. There's feel good scenes. There are mm-hmm. some funny scenes. There's some great visual gags also happening are, through yeah. it. There, this movie does a good job visual humor. It feels cartoony. Yeah. Which is cool. All the designs are very cartoony, and they have these really interesting, especially Skinner's face has this really interesting angular sort of feature to it. You know. When you brought up that he looked like a monkey, I was like, <laughs> "You are totally right. I've never actually made that connection. I'm sure that was the that was the design <laughs> Probably, choice too." Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and like the the blonde chef who killed a man or whatever. His name is Horst. See? Thank you. <laughs> See. I got you. Good job, good job. Uh, he <laughs> has a really by, sort of... Voiced by Will Arnett. Wow, you really do know a lot of stuff about this movie. Uh, okay. But <laughs> he kind of has that really interesting design, too. Like, it is very Incredibles, where they're, like, human, but, like, Colette is also pretty skinny, as is Horst. Uh, whereas Gusto is just a very large pair of a man. He looks and... like a gourd from VeggieTales. <laughs> That's the first thing I noticed when I saw his design in the theaters. It's like he totally looks like Jerry yeah. from Veggie Tales. Yeah. Please, somebody out there, understand that reference. Please. I need a Photoshop of his face on the gorge. Stat, stat, stat. If we were big time, we'd actually get those, but no, well. If we were big time. Glad you went there, too. Hey. I mean, Ego, too, has sort of that really interesting design. Oh, yeah. He's, like, scary lanky, right? Yeah. And he's yeah. got those, like, shrunken-in eyes, and it seems like the lighting is always underneath him, so he's about <laughs> to tell a ghost story at a campfire, you yeah. know? Um, Linguini has, like, a big, huge nose. Oh, my gosh. It's massive. <laughs> There's, like, a scene where he gets wet, and so his hair is, like, you know, stuck to his head or whatever, so it's not big anymore, and, like... 
for like a bit, it just looks really unnatural <laughs> because of the, it, it just like it makes everything else about him smaller because the hair is down. But the nose, like now you realize <laughs> the nose is like 90 percent of his head and you're just like, it's totally got the Nigel Thornberry thing going. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, there's a couple other just like one like my favorite visual joke in the whole movie is when uh, Remy is running away from Skinner because he has the papers and like they run across. A, Boats. a river. Maybe it's a famous <laughs> Parisian river and I'm just like botching it. Probably. I think it's the river that that Javert killed himself in in the in the the Liam Neeson Les Miserables. Sure. Like, there can't be that many rivers in Paris, right? <laughs> Says the ignorant American. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why I decided to bring that up. Yeah, Not like you've ever you seen what I'm that? talking about. <laughs> no. I could be making up this whole ding dang thing. You really could. There's so, a river in uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, right? Maybe it's that river. Oh, the one where they where, where they where they dropped off. Yeah, the Quasimodo. baby river. The baby river. <laughs> that's what it's, it's called. Colloquially known, you know. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. Anyways, anyway. <laughs> so they're cha- he's they're being chased across the river and whatnot. Remy is like jumping from like boat to boat off of bridges and stuff like that somehow and still making it. Um, so Skinner makes his grand leap of faith to try to get over to a boat and he just narrowly misses and he like grabs this tablecloth from like this couple like having like a nice dinner like on the river mm. and of course the tablecloth comes off completely clean without them ever <laughs> noticing and everything is still the same on there. Like it's you know describing a visual joke always sucks, right? But yeah. like it's 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 a wonderful joke in there, I think. Yeah. Um I don't know. Uh, I think the highlight of this movie is still Ego's monologue at the end. I don't know. I get something out of it as someone who well, I mean, I've always been sort of a critical person, but now I'm actually going on a podcast and criticizing things like Star Wars and Mario Odyssey. Well, what what do you get out of it then specifically? I mean, he just, he puts it really well where it's like when you're a critic, it's easy. It's easy to criticize because it's not like, well, you make something then you'd be like, but it'd be terrible. I can't do that. Uh, So I don't know. You just realize you have to realize that even though you're criticizing it as common trash i think is what he says that Mm. it's still probably worth more than your criticism because your criticism's easy it's easy to make fun of people it's easy to be negative and that's probably kind of why i wanted to do something lighter that i could be happy about because i wasn't happy about having to be negative on star wars or especially mario odyssey like as a like we released that right around the town everyone was releasing their top 10 games of 2017 list and of course everybody had mario odyssey at the top and i'm just like I feel so I don't know. I remember <laughs> I, could I was feel I was, how hated I would be if anyone <laughs> actually listened to this. You know what I mean? I, I am waiting for Pro Jared's top five or ten or whatever he does to come out if he decides to do it because I wouldn't expect it to be among his. Are you gonna feel better if it's not? A little bit. <laughs> as terrible as that probably is, I'll feel a little. It's always nice to feel like you're not the only person in the world who thinks something, which is kind of how, well, the only two people in the world, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but, that, that would be us for Odyssey. Yeah. At the same time, though, for, for Last Jedi, there are hordes of people that are on your side. Well, that, that's why I didn't, it, it was different with Mario Odyssey. Mm. But it still wasn't necessarily fun mm-hmm. to be like, don't enjoy this movie, even though that's not what I was trying to say. Like, that's always what it's going to be perceived as, I guess. Mm. Yeah, which is a little different from Anton Ego, who's just kind of a jerk who wants to shut people down. <laughs> but, you know, it's just interesting. I, it was a good monologue, especially with his voice. 
So that helps a lot. Nostalgia critic also really liked that too, which is I think that's definitely coming something from him as well. Well, he's he's doing the same thing, right? He's criticizing movies, and that's how he makes his living, really. Yeah. So also, I didn't know being a food critic was so freaking lucrative in France. Well, the best food in the world is made in France. Yes, thank the you. The best food in France is made in Paris, <laughs> and some people believe. All right. <laughs> okay. I know way too much of this movie. I know too much. That was how this experience started off. Like I can, I'm quoting that. I can now. put on a, a one-man show of a just me doing all of Ratatouille. I want all the visual gags, too. Oh, okay. Every you, single all right, one. sit over there. It'll take me about, like, I don't know, three minutes to prep. Great. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. So, Every chef knows prep is the most important part yes. of any meal. Scott Pilgrim knows this. <laughs> it's true. So, um... Yeah. I, is there anything else you you might want it to cover in this? Not really. Did this movie, like, inspire you to get into cooking or? N- um, you know what? If it did, it was subconscious. Okay. Um, I, I got into cooking because I liked watching food shows. <laughs> and also I was like, I want to try that. And yeah. so, like, I did and made a ton of mistakes. I mean, like, I'm not. I'm, I, that I'm, one time we tried to make cookies? That's pretty funny. Yeah, well, <laughs> cooking and baking, they're it's like apples and oranges. Okay. It really is. Like the cooking world doesn't always jive with the baking world. That's why if you have somebody who's like awesome at both, they're like wanted everywhere. Huh. Okay. Um, yeah, because cooking is like extremely variable, but baking is like science. Like it has to be this no matter what. You know what huh. I mean? Okay. Um, so, anyways, um, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes and whatnot, and I'm nowhere near, like, the level to be able to go on, like, a cooking, a kitchen challenge show or anything like that. I mean, you basically already won Gordon Ramsay. How many of those people do you think had Gordon Ramsay like their oh, stuff? Yeah, I won MasterChef. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that? Known fact. Did you guys Did you know, know that? Small won MasterChef. <laughs> um, Official. <laughs> but I do like to make challenging dishes whenever I can, whenever I have the time to and whatnot, and, you know, and I and I don't think that, like, you know... I do think anyone can cook. and Anyone that can cook. And I do like uh, the distinction he makes even in the book. How he's like, or in the movie, he was like, you know, what I say is true. Everyone, anyone can cook, but only the fearless can become great. And I am afraid of the kitchen professionally, <laughs> so I am not going to be, be, be pursuing that. Oops. Um, well. So, no, it might not have, like, been a direct influence on why I wanted to do that. Mostly, you know what it is, is like... You know, like when you make something and you taste it yourself and you're just like, oh, my gosh. And then like you give it to somebody else and they're just like, oh, my gosh. Like that's that's what I live for, you know? Yeah. That's where when I'm making something and especially if it's something new um, and then it comes together and then I taste it. I'm just sort of like, oh, my gosh. So I kind of tried to get into cooking at one point. You did. You did. Yeah. Maybe I just... Didn't well, get the same. No, it's just your your schedule got like way hectic too. That's true too. You're not at home all the week. That's true too. But yeah, that certainly puts a hindrance. Yeah, I was always a little afraid of like getting a react. Well, I had a couple experiences where I tried to make something that I thought I knew how to make, and then it didn't turn out as good, and it was really frustrating to me. So I don't know. It wasn't the cookies, was it? It was not the cookies. No. <laughs> what was it? It was uh, one time. It was like fajitas. Mm. And one time where I, like, homemade the sauce. I, like, made it from scratch this one time, and it was really good. And then I made it again, and it, like, wasn't quite as good. And then it was... Um, what was the sauce? I don't know what it would be called. So that That's... What do you mean? Like, what was the sauce? I mean, what was the name of the sauce? Dave Le Special. Uh, what was in the sauce? Uh, it was basically, like, 
supposed to be kind of a Worcestershire base, but I didn't have Worcestershire, so I just used a lot of the stuff that was in Worcestershire sauce. And then I added a lot of, like, citrusy flavor for what I felt would be, like, a little bit more, like, authentic Hispanic since they have lots of citrus growing in, like, Mexico and that sort of area. So Do you know what's kind of in Worcestershire sauce? I just looked at, like, the ingredients online. Like, what are the ingredients in Worcestershire sauce? It was basically a lot of the stuff except, you know, not, like, the anchovies and <laughs> things like that. The like, anchovies are actually have. really important. So they are, sure. but I, I'm just saying it's still made for a pretty tasty sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the first time. I mean, the second time was still good, but it was not as balanced, I guess. Mm. I don't know. And then the other thing was, uh, God, what's the that Italian rice dish? Risotto. Risotto, yeah. The second time I made risotto, it just wasn't as good. It was kind of disappointing. Well, so. I've I've made risotto like five or six times, honestly. I haven't made it like a whole lot, but I, I've made it. Um, and risotto, to me at least, is one of those dishes where like it only gets better the more I do it. Huh. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I think the first time I made it, I didn't cook down the the the, the stock enough, and mm-hmm. it didn't cook enough into the rice. So we were like, you know, you know we're eating risotto, going. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't good. anything like that. It was it was more just like the flavor again, like. The wine was a little too overpowering or something like that. Mm. It just wasn't as the flavor wasn't as well balanced. So and it's one of those things I it's it's impressive to me that cooking your beef Wellington, right? Yeah. Once a year that you can like retain enough of that to improve after a whole year of not doing it. Because I would just be like, I forget everything. Like Look, I'll be honest, I I mean I'm I'm kind of surprised by that as well. Yeah, but that hasn't been my experience at the same time. So like when I made my butterscotch pie for Thanksgiving. Oh your butt's pie. Yeah. I don't know that I could do that again now and that was only a couple months ago. So Well again that's baking too. Like But you know Yeah, yeah I know. I have to, yeah, anyway. There was that one point where Dave uh, was able to spend a couple of days at my apartment because my wife was traveling in Ireland of all the places, and uh, and we had a we had a burger off. Um, mm-hmm. I forgot what your burger was, though. It was just like a Worcestershire burger, probably because it was forgettable. I didn't feel oh. like it was that great. <laughs> um, I, I homemade a barbecue sauce, and uh, and I made poutine, too. We made it together. We did we make had poutine. To, that was we had to fun. go to a, a, a Sprouts and, and find the, the cheese curds for that. Yeah. Uh, but we made our own french fries, too. We didn't buy, like, the frozen kind and whatnot. Oh, yeah, you did do that, huh? That's I remember also, cool. like, I, I helped you through the steps of risotto, too. Yeah. Like, I, Dave actually, like, asked me, like, you know, stuff about cooking and whatnot. And, like, I... I mean, if you asked me again tomorrow, I would totally help you out. But, yeah. I mean, I know your schedule is just so crazy. Yeah, well. <laughs> Aren't I, you busy Saturday? Aren't you busy those days usually? On what? Saturdays and Whatever, stuff? yeah. I mean, your schedule is much crazier I mean, I'm just right busy, now, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the only thing that's preventing me from cooking a lot more um, is just how busy I am. And sometimes, to be fair, it can get pricey. Um, you know, it's, it's, if you, if you live just in an apartment with one other person, like you got to try to think of dishes that like will last you for a bit too. Yeah. That um, too. My wife is very, her tummy is very sensitive. So I would be cooking with a lot of restrictions on me. Yeah. <laughs> so, it wouldn't be impossible, but yeah. It'd be pretty tough. It's like it, low acid cooking, it turns out is really kind of difficult because like, okay, like. No, like, spicy stuff. Like, that's not a big deal. I don't like spicy stuff that much anyway. No citrus. All right, I kind of like citrus. That's a little (laughs) tricky. Uh, No tomato. Tomatoes in basically everything. Okay, well, that's okay because we've got meat. Oh, we can't use fat. I can't really use butter. 
All right, so plain pasta, anybody? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is kind of where it winds up, you know? I don't know. Here's a here's a burger and a, no fat burger. And like here's a burger. Here's an orange salad, and here's your Tom's milkshake. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Dairy. You can't really use dairy that much because that actually has some like the fattiness in it. And well, I think also it's because like, what's the point anymore, man? Because your body has to produce extra acid in order to break down the dairy. And that too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Food. Welcome to Foodcast with the Why Do I Talk to You Guys. <laughs> yeah, basically. Should probably wrap this up. Yeah, I guess. Please Although I could, I could earnestly talk about food all day. I could listen to you talk about food. I don't know how much I'd enjoy it, but I could listen <laughs> to you talk about it all day. <laughs> I always sort of joke that like a one day where Dave like can't make it to a podcast, I'll like I'll make a cooking podcast, but like still just audio. Like, yeah. Oh man, look at this, guys. <laughs> this so here you want to add some of this stuff. This stuff is great. This yeah. red stuff. <laughs> 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 you want to make sure you have this tool. Yeah. Always use this tool. It's right, got to look go. just like this. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Jeez. All right. So we'll go ahead and wrap up. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging on. If you did, um, well, you never named the other chefs. Just tell me what the Jamaican guy's name was. His name is Lalo. Just be some bad juju mo. One line in the movie. Got to talk about juju. Sure. Thanks, Lalo. Okay, go ahead. All right. Have I proven myself? <laughs> yes. All right. You're for real. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. If you if you happen to stay on for this whole podcast and me, just both of us, just gushing over the movie Ratatouille. Um, we will do one on Dave's favorite Pixar movie, which is The Incredibles. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, but we will do that closer to the release of the sequel. Which is soon? Isn't that soon? Oh, I, I keep forgetting because there's like three movies that we're saving for when the movies actually come out. Those being Incredibles, Wreck-It Ralph, and Frozen. And I can I always forget the order of when they come out. I'm gonna assume Frozen's gonna be out during Christmas time. I don't know if it's yeah, this but I don't year, remember though. if it's this year or next year. I think actually it's gonna be Wreck-It Ralph, uh, Christmas time. This year? I think so. Hmm. Well. Anyway, so those movies will happen, but specifically during those times, I guess. So whatever those are. So Dave, just be patient for a little bit, I guess. Yeah, gotta make sure we we review Mary Poppins right before Mary Poppins Two comes out. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to our podcast. <laughs> Special thanks to Danny Barrett Huvert for the artwork. I'm trying not to let Dave talk at all, and for the artwork and for the combined efforts of Rob KTA, expert novice. And OC Remix for the intro and the outro music. I like Mary Poppins. We'll see you guys in the next one. Take care.